When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is about building a team. Every game that we lost by one score or less, right now, we fix that. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. You no longer say I only have a face for podcasting is tonight. We are live streaming the Redcast for the first time to a potential crowd of dozens on YouTube. This is big time, fellas. Dozens? I didn't expect we'd have dozens on our first show. That's, that's impressive. All right. Very good. Very good. Uh, also with Boomer. Oh, well, I, I don't have anything planned here. Honky won the toss, so I figured, you know, he'd score right away with that first uh, first hot take. So hot takes are over for me. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's a one and done type scenario there. Uh, and Redcast Rob. Hold on, guys. I'm, I'm sending out this tweet real quick. Oh, and I'd like to remind you all that uh, to go on to Herd at uh, subscribe to Hail Varsity, use Redcast on checkout to receive a discount on there, as well as you can also buy Go Big Redcast merchandise. Look, you've got my logo right here. I got my hat on. And uh, let us know. Tweet us out pictures of all your Redcast merchandise. I think we even have phone cases or something like too. Honky, don't you have one of those? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and 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 if you tweet it out, I'll send you a new, brand new Redcast sticker that I'm having made this week. So, um, you know, we're just looking forward to it. And I'm sorry that you all have to see my face here because, much like Honky, I have a face for radio. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob, that mug of yours. Let me tell you. Uh, oh, and. Lagunitas IPNA, the official beer of alcoholics <laughs> or non-alcoholics, one of the two. Sure. Um, well, I mean, it's exciting to be on YouTube. That's, that's very cool. Um, I, I listen to a few podcasts that do the um, YouTube at the same time. They always say to smash the bell. What does that mean? Does anybody know what smash the bell means? I, I believe that subscribes so you can get an alert. When oh, the new oh, there we go. Yeah. Good job, Boomer. There I, was go. Trying, I was hoping someone would get there. We're yeah, learning. So. His yeah. name might be Boomer, but he's like the least of the Boomer out of all of us when That's it comes right. to That's us right. social well, smash media. Smash the bell like on YouTube. Um, even if uh, you're listening to the podcast afterwards and you want to be able to catch us live on a future airing, and uh, that way you'll get notified uh, when we go live. You can just jump on. And uh, you can uh, listen to us live. And I think maybe even, you know, you can you can tweet at us or comment. We may be actually be able to respond to you. Um, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Right, guys? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All we right. actually do have our first comment, Dave, from uh, co-worker Eric. He's uh, excited to be here and just uh, here for the shrimp tail, the shrimp cocktail content. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Yeah, you get I, you get everything here. I mean, even uh, behind hockey, you see uh, Redcast Rob uh, cut out. That's, that's nice. All right. Good stuff. And uh, we are uh, trying to watch Nebraska try to uh, have a surprising upset um, in Ann Arbor. They're down two right now against Michigan uh, when uh, the podcast uh, 
goes up next uh, tomorrow morning or afternoon. Um, we'll know if uh, Nebraska pulls us off. It, it's not looking good again, like usual. Uh, Will Honk, um, as, as we uh, peer over our shoulders at the at the basketball game, uh, we are getting ready for signing day for Husker football. Um, the the second signing day, which isn't nearly as exciting as the first. Um, and in between these two signing days, we have like something like 13 transfers have joined us. Um, but we might, uh, you know, get a few additions uh, tomorrow and also hear from the coaches. Um, let's uh, maybe talk a little roster management to start off the show. Yeah. So uh, last week, the last time that we uh, did a show, we did one with uh, Richard Fitzwell and it was Rob and I doing that with him. That was a lot of fun. Um, I just first I want to give a little bit of feedback from that show. We did uh, talk about kind of our goals from Memorial Stadium. And uh, I had talked about doing a West Side uh, Hall of Fame, and we actually got some responses. And one of them was from Tyler Kay, who's a uh, associate AD, leadership gifts and capital projects, and uh, you know, really good guy. Boomer and I met him, and he came over and tailgated with us uh, last year before one of the games. And uh, he wanted to give some updates and said that some of the things that we talked about are already in the plans. Some of the plans actually that are going to be in the North facility, and so I'm sure. Uh, that stuff's either out there or it's going to be coming out, uh, you know, at some point they'll give more details on it, but it's kind of cool to get some feedback there and that uh, he just wanted to make it very clear. This is really important to Trev that they do this right. And they, they want to make sure that they get uh, the feedback from the fans. So he was, it was really cool that he listened to it and he, uh, and he uh, appreciated our, our discussion. Um, since we had that talk last week from a roster standpoint, Dave, uh, Nebraska's lost a couple of players, Wyndon Huli. Uh, he entered into the transfer portal uh, and ended up going back to his native state of, of Hawaii. Um, and then we also lost Jordan Riley, defensive lineman, who transferred one to the transfer portal, and he went to Oregon, where Tuioti uh, has gone to. So Tuioti also was responsible for bringing in Huli there. So, you know, you're going to have a little bit of that transition when you're losing a coach like that, too. Um, but uh, we also brought in a player, Northern Iowa transfer, Omar Brown, uh, 6 one, 200, and he was an FCS defensive freshman of the year back in 2019. He has two seasons of eligibility left. So right now that leaves us at, at 89 scholarship players right now on the chart that I'm looking at from uh, Omaha World Herald. Somebody on that still Daniel Cerny. I know he's not going to be around here. I don't, we need to be basically be at 88 uh, scholarships. And there's a couple of guys that are still scholarship guys or will be scholarship guys, but they could be walking on just for this year. Some new guys that are just walking on for this semester just to make numbers right. So they need to be down to 88. But I think the general thing that I kind of wanted to talk about from roster and recruiting and everything was just, I think, some of the, the narrative that's starting to get, get created, both in-state and out-of-state recruiting, about how Nebraska is doing things a little bit different than what they had in the past. Joseph on the radio uh, saying he, they wanted to put a gate around Omaha and, and Bellevue and around the state. Um, on Friday, January 21st, Husker coaches went across the street, went across the state. Barrett Rude was in uh, Scotts Bluff. Joseph was in Omaha, Burke, Omaha North, Creighton Prep, Central. On Tuesday, January 25th, Rude was back in Omaha again. He went to Omaha North, Creighton Prep, some other ones. Uh, Sam McEwen wrote an article about how NU is stepping up their recruiting in Texas and Louisiana with Applewhite and Joseph and Bush. And then this is in addition to all the work that they're doing right now in Missouri. We saw quite a few photos of Frost joining Bush and Joseph down in Kansas City. So you just see there's a different emphasis going on in-state and I think that 500-mile radius. And then some of those coaches that, that 
new coaches that they have specific areas that they, uh, they're experts recruiting in. You're seeing us start to kind of get our, our foothold in some of those areas. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Honky. You know, it, it does kind of raise the question of, of what the previous staff was, was doing both right and wrong, I suppose, um, that, you know, this, this staff is, is kind of altering. It, it's interesting. It does seem like um, Bill Bush and, and Mickey Joseph bring a different energy um, to the recruiting front, which, I mean, that's, that's their forte. And, and, you know, it's nice to see that we finally have that. It, it is a little surprising that um, we didn't have kind of a recruiting, you know, expert, um, beforehand it felt like that was ryan held right i i guess um but maybe maybe after you know the three or four years here it, it, he didn't have quite the same energy for it i don't know it does seem like you know it's definitely been rebooted and um that the the response from from players uh is is a lot more positive yeah well and you know we've always talked about with in-state recruiting is not to be slow playing things right we're going to recruit these kids like you would anywhere and to that point, I mean, look at the 2023 class right now of in-state offers. We have offers out to Sam Sledge and Maverick Noonan, both of them legacy players uh, from the Omaha area. Malachi Coleman from Lincoln East, uh, the wide receiver. Uh, then the two that we already have uh, committed, uh, Gunnar Godshla from uh, Lincoln, offensive lineman, Benjamin Brommer from tight end, uh, a tight end from Pierce. Uh, you know, so that's five guys right there with offers. And then Lincoln High's uh, Benny Nagoi, uh, wide receiver. I mean, that, he doesn't have an offer yet, but we're we're on him. I mean, the point is, it. I think we're starting to see trends of five, six, seven, eight in some years, D1, power five recruits coming out of the state. And when you look at some of the recruiting classes with the transfer portal actually decreasing the number of your class, I mean, this year, our class is what, 17, 18 kids, maybe a, one or two more. But, you know, if you're going to have a smaller class, if your class is going to be between 15 and 20, and if you can get seven in-state kids, six, seven in-state kids, you're almost batting 50%. I mean, how important is it to get local? You know, that it's, it's that important right there. And so, you know, and already 2024, Caleb Benning, Daniel Kalen, the quarterback from uh, Bellevue West, Davon Hall from Bellevue West, that's three already offered in the 2025 class right now. We were the first P5 to offer Omaha North lineman Tyson Terry, uh, the first offer, Omaha Burke outside linebacker Christian Jones. So they are getting out there. They're getting into the Metro. And it is, a, like you said, Dave, it just feels like it's a different emphasis. And I don't know how to compare it to what we had before. I just know Joseph is all over it. Bush is all over it. And Rude is continuing. I mean, for anybody that thinks like Rude is now taking a back seat to it, he was in Omaha just a couple days after Joseph. And, and Rude's been all over the rest of the state, too. So th there's plenty of emphasis being put on local. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it, you know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, long-term uh, returns on that, right? I mean, they need to be able to win uh, sooner than later so they can actually um, reap the, the benefits of some of this recruiting work. But, I mean, that's how you also build a, a successful long-term program. So, it's good. Boomer says uh, we now have seven, seven live watchers, apparently. So, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, one of the other things, too, about recruiting that I've noticed – from this roster is that it's a, we have a really young roster at that too, right? We don't have a ton of seniors on this team and, and, you know, same with juniors. We've got a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, a lot of redshirt freshmen. And so even bringing in a recruiting class right now, I mean, the, the players that we want are players that are going to have some experience. I mean, there is absolutely no 
reason why it should be wrong for them to be bringing in players um, that are that are transfers from proven D1 programs that are going to produce for us right now. You know, especially in in year five for Frost, where where again, I don't know how many times we have to emphasize that that it's it's a must win year for him, right? So he's got to bring some of these guys in, and you know, but the quality of the recruits of the freshmen that he's getting to are are I think they're pretty high quality guys as well. So and I think that hopefully they're going to fit Whipple's offense or you know just you know the defensive scheme that we have to continue to build that pipeline as well. So, I mean, the way I see it is even if it is a smaller recruiting class, people are just going to have to understand that this is the way that it's going to be not to go to star Wars on you and say, this is the way, but um, you know, it's, I, this is just the way it's going to be we're, we're going to have to start looking at, you know, it's, it's going to be almost like you, the NFL where you're going to have your recruits, your AKA draft picks, and then you're going to have, you know, free agents signing with the team every single year that are going to come and go. And that's yeah, just, I mean, the, that's going to be the new, that's going to be the new NCAA football. That's, that's just what it is, especially with NIL. I, especially with NIL, you know, these guys well, are going to start coming to schools where they can get paid as well. Well, they may get paid the first time too, right. To actually come. I mean, like, you know, I mean, Lane Kiffin had a, had a quote today in an article saying that, you know, that there's, you know, there's different, teams playing with different salary caps out there, right? Claiming that Texas A&M had as five to 10 times the money they have for NIL than they had at Ole Miss. And so he was just, you know, saying, Hey, they, they did the hard work to get their players and A&M just buying them. Um, but that's, that's coming out of high school, right? You know, I mean, like our, you know, in the transfer portal, clearly, you know, some of the guys that came to Nebraska and some of them have left clearly have capitalized on NIL because of that move and they have one free move, but after that, they don't. Um, but you can also capitalize on on signing at a school that you think you have NIL potential at or already have deals in the works. So, you it know, pushes I mean, like Heisman this- back. That's what it, I think that's really what we're what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, but I'm just saying, like, I don't I don't expect us to only sign 12 or 13 high school kids every single year. I think it will get back more on normal 18 to 20. But I do think they'll probably be saving some. Um, every year um, for the transfer portal, but we also we're going to be losing people, right? Honky, it's not like, yeah. like we're it's going to only be one way. I mean, we're not going to be like Northern Colorado losing twenty eight kids in one season, you know. But that's a whole <laughs> oh, poor story. Ed. It was yeah, so poor, sad to read that. Poor, Ed. poor Ed. You know those darn kids just transferring. You know, like the five that had to transfer because they got cut. I mean, you know, kids transfer for all kinds of reasons. Like when you cut them from the program. Talking Husker football here, Rob. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I do. Please. I do think it was funny though. McCaffrey said that it was unfortunate players who were unhappy will transfer instead of trying to work out the situation with the coaching staff. So, considering his sons have transferred like fifteen times combined, but that's that's a whole nother story. Um, you know, yeah, the breakdown, like you said, Dave. I think we might get back to more normal eighteen to twenty recruits a year. But even if, even that, when you think about it, is that even normal when it was it's a twenty five cap, right? Sure. In, in a normal sure. year back in the day, would have been twenty five. Uh, I'm just looking at the breakdown right now. Again, on the World Herald has a really good scholarship distribution chart. And right now it has us at 89 and it lists nine seniors. It lists 17 juniors, 28 sophomores. That's where the big chunk of our team right now is 28 sophomores. And then there's 22 redshirt freshmen, 13 true freshmen coming in. And again, we may add a freshman or two tomorrow with the, uh, the second signing day. But the point is, if you look at that, that's 35 Redshirt freshmen slash freshmen plus 28 um, uh, sophomores. I mean, was that 63 
of your team <laughs> or yeah. sophomore yeah. or younger. Right. Exactly. And so the transfer portal also helps you with roster management to balance some of the team out, to bring in an older guy or two in, in some spots where you needed it. And so looking at the quarterback position, Casey Thompson's really helpful because if we didn't have him, we don't have anybody on that junior or senior column, <laughs> you know, and, yep. and there's sure. other positions that are similar. So um, yeah, the, the transfer portal, it's just, this is the way it is in NIL. It's the way it is too. And I don't know what's legal or not legal or what is not legal anymore when it comes to, to, in terms of like the, the Lane Kiffin stuff about, you know, look, if some kid is getting paid through the right channels, correct through That's A&M, the then not, if it's coming through the right program. channels and, and my understanding, and I, I read some stuff where they were saying, you know, the biggest, the important thing with NIL is the proof of performance that, you know, you, it's not just about somebody coming in and just here's a million dollars and you don't have to do anything. You know, I, I'm guessing proof of performance would mean everything from, you know, if, if you're required to do so many events and signings and things like that, then you have to do it. You know, it's, I would yeah, guess yeah. that's what that, that, that would, and that's where mean it's curious what that actually looks like. You know, I mean, supposedly Bryce young had nearly a million dollars of NIL before the season started at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess it's just simply proof of performance. Sometimes, getting your photograph taken with, with certain people or whatever, because I mean, I, I don't, I just don't know down in Alabama is, is he, you know, uh, you know, doing commercials or where, how do you get that mm-hmm. million dollars? Right. I mean, yeah, it seems like Casey Thompson has some NIL money. That's, that's great. I mean, it makes sense um, in that transfer world. Uh, what are we going to see Casey Thompson do? Right. Well, he was, yeah. he was going to Texas anyway. So chances are he was getting NIL money before NIL was even a thing, but <laughs> Well, like yours at yeah, yours at Ohio State. I mean, that was yeah one of those things. You know, he huge contract and like a truck or something he got. And from performance standpoint, if it's on the field, he didn't play a snap for him. No, it can't be for the field. I mean, that that's yeah. the thing that that would be illegal if, it, if they have some sort of contract where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll give you more money if you score so many touchdowns. That would that probably be against the NIL rules. It's all about yeah. when it says performance, it's actually performing for the fee. So like doing something, Correct. you know. Sharing up this podcast uh, on YouTube counts as my uh, proof of performance, right, Dave? I just <laughs> want to make sure. Right. Yeah. That's right. Well, Honky, um, you mentioned uh, tomorrow is signing day, and it uh, sounds like uh, there may be a, a few additional high school, um, you know, commits. Sounds like A.J. Allen, uh, the uh, Louisiana running back that has a connection to Brian Applewhite, the new running backs coach, and had pr- previously been committed to TCU, um, maybe in – that would be a nice get and just more competition in that running back room. One of those guys mm-hmm. is going to have to emerge. That's what we thought last year. And then when there were six scholarship backs, maybe there needs to be seven. I don't know. But um, <laughs> do you think there's anybody else out there that's on the board that we might, might hear from tomorrow. That's worth, worth mentioning. Well, certainly the one that uh, Husker online, Sean Kelly and them, they, they brought up to the Janiron Bonner, who's a, a wide receiver from, uh, from Georgia. And I think he's a Georgia tech. Is he a commit or or at least yeah, he commit. never committed. He, yeah, he was a soft commit. Yeah. So the final three of Georgia Tech, Nebraska, and Memphis right now, and and even uh, Jackson State apparently is in the you know mm, on the side Jackson there. So who knows? I guess there's some nil, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, he's a four star wide receiver there, according to rivals, and uh, he'll make a decision tomorrow. So there's still a little bit of excitement and intrigue going into tomorrow, but for the most part, the majority of the team is in place. Um, the AJ Allen one, he's the, the most interesting one. Cause he was a TCU commit under Applewhite, now our running backs coach at Nebraska. So he's already recruited him once to, to be down there at Fort Worth with them. 
that running backs room is interesting because all off season last year, we talked about how we had six guys and that's, a, you know, a lot in the room. And is it, you know, are you going to be able to keep it? And we kept it, but we really only played one running back the whole year at any one given time. And yeah, so right. a couple guys transfer out and now we're, we built it back up and now we're at six that doesn't, and the six doesn't include right now, Jackson, who's, you know, the A&M commit, although, you know, it sounds like with some of the, the, the great, he has some work he has to do just to even get here. If he was here, that would be seven. If we got uh, the Allen kid for tomorrow, then you're at eight, you know, at some point you realize that there's going to be some people probably aren't going to make it, make it through all this and who that is. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you there, but um yeah, so there's still a little bit of intrigue for tomorrow, but uh, mostly the class is taken care of. You know, Hunk, um, it seems like even after this this class is is over with, there may be uh, some additional transfers come after spring ball, right? Um, and with Jordan Riley leaving here in uh, the last few days to Oregon, it does seem like we may be really trying to get at least one, if not two, it feels like almost D linemen. Mm-hmm at some point to come in because they just need just more depth there uh, to take some snaps. huh? Yeah. At this point, that's all going to be post spring. And, but you're right. I mean, some combination over the next three months, you either need in spring ball, some, some development out retro freshmen like Marquise black and Rukon Buckley and Jalen Weaver. You're going to need those guys to see some step up out of those guys, or you're going to need to go back into the transfer portal and get one or two guys that are going to be able to, to fill in some spots and, and give you a little bit of depth there on the, on the D line. Uh, another interesting conversation, you know, we've started to hit on this a couple of different times, but you know, I'm curious, especially when it comes to the D line is that, you know, are we a three, four, are we a four, three moving forward? Um, that makes a difference there. You know, do we, how many nose tackles are we going out and getting versus, you know, are you getting two defensive tackles that are, you know, more three and five technique kind of guys versus the, the zero technique guy right on center, you know, the D Damian Daniels kind of player. Um, Cause you know, I mean that, that can alter how you would, how you line up and what you need. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, they've, they've not made any official like announcement. We've switched our, our mm-hmm. defensive uh, format. And then we all know that we, we saw, you know, various parts of four, three, mm-hmm. but um, I, I can't remember what radio show it was. I think I was listening to Sam McEwen speak, but he, he was talking about the departure of Jordan Riley and maybe it was Mike Schaefer. I can't remember. Anyway, I apologize. Guys. I, was, I listened to everything, but uh, they were, they were talking about like, Oh, you know what the defensive line look and, you know, and I'm expecting them to mention um, um, uh, Hutmacher. And he actually was like, yo, yo, you know, your front four is going to be, you know, Tyler, Tyler Robinson, right. I'm getting his name, right. Yeah. Ty Robinson. Yep. Ty. Yeah, exactly. And then um, Casey Rogers and then uh, saying that, you know, it'd be, you know, um, Tanner and, and um, Nelson on the ends. Right. You know, that's like envisioning a four man front clearly you know, in sure. his head. And I was like, yeah, they, I mean, they, you know, it's just, it's interesting that this transition's kind of happened and not that they won't run a, a, a three-man front with, with, you know, one of the big guys right in the middle over, over the, the center. But um, it seems like they have definitely showing more four-man front going forward. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things too, I can't remember if it was like Will Compton or somebody else talking and it could have been a pro guy. Um, Cause like you, Dave, I listen to a lot of different stuff too, but th- 
one thing they said was everybody runs a four man front these days. It's just, you know, whether or not, you know, who, who it is that they're going to be rushing once the, once the play actually starts and, and develops, you know, and are they going to throw a blitz in there too? So, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, how are they going to be masking a lot of this stuff? I think as well, you know, I mean, so yeah, it, it mixing depends it on how you're lining up your, your tackle though. Right. To, to honky's point. I mean, yeah. the three, four is very popular in the NFL. I mean, that's why we, supposedly transition to it it's just harder to recruit i think you know because you need the one guy that can essentially take up two guys right in the middle of the line and the advantage of going to the four is is you don't need quite that same one dominant guy i don't know it'll be intriguing because if they don't feel like they have a replacement for daniels um you know they might just have to play four man front um out of default a little bit yeah, mm-hmm. kind of off topic, but um, I saw that Eric Sockinson said that I'm channeling my inner PJ, which is actually kind of funny because I'm wearing my PJs. So, you know. <laughs> I don't know, Rob. I, I mean, I don't think you've had Botox recently. You look good, man. I mean, you look like, Thank you. You're no, doing good. Yeah, yeah you're no. staying under the sun. You're using the moisturizer. Right? As, I, as I like Boomer. to tell Honky a lot, too, I work out. <laughs> Boomer, how is our YouTube followers going? We have anything uh, else happening there? Well, we're still at a uh, robust. Oh, we're up to nine. So that's nine. a massive nice. improvement. And, uh, Hi, everyone. We've got yeah, some awesome. comments from uh, Caleb who wanted to remind us that uh, the bell was to turn on notifications when we upload. Uh, uh, Jack uh, Hangy, I think is how you pronounce that, says, hey, I know these guys. And uh, Generation Red Live says, howdy, gents. So, nice. yeah, if any of you are listening, have comments, just throw yeah. something in the chat and we'll try to yeah. try to work it in. So got any Feel questions free, everyone. So, got any the first, first try for us this, job. So. we're hip and uh generation live uh today i'm enjoying uh diplomat cocktails so something light for a random tuesday so diplomat's excellent so honk well, I, another thing i wanted to touch on really quick um is tomorrow you know i, I imagine we're going to get some interviews from scott frost and some of the position coaches that we haven't heard too much from um i mean do you have any anything you're kind of going to be listening for with those interviews to, you know just from tone and tenor, et cetera? Oh, I don't know. I don't take a whole lot. I mean, basically this is a, a, a scaled down version of what we already would have watched back in December. Sure. So don't get too many interviews a, right now though. So yeah. I, hey, anytime we get to see, uh, you know, Frost and the, the guys getting interviewed, I mean, you, it's good to see, but no, nah, I mean, there's not a lot of takeaways. I don't, I don't really have at this point. Um, some of the, the takeaways I have are the, Oh, I there's quotes that happen that are kind of under the radar. And to me, they're wows of ones. And there was one that was in the world Herald a week ago, we posted it. And uh, it was uh, one minute into his praise of new Nebraska wide receivers, coach Mickey Joseph Be- Bellevue West coach, Michael Huffman drops. a wowza. he goes, there's no doubt in my mind, Keegan Johnson and Caden Helms are Huskers. If Mickey had been there, Huffman says of his former receivers, uh, Johnson just finished his freshman year at Iowa. Helms signed with Oklahoma. To me, that's a that's a wowza kind of a statement from a coach at a school, Bellevue West, that has been pumping out as many P5 sure. kids as any school, uh, you know, in the state and continues to have uh, kids that were going after Kalen, the quarterback and Devon Hall, and wide receiver and so on. So uh, that's a big statement. It's I, I don't want to turn around and go, you know, this isn't who do you blame before? To me, it's just it's a sign that things are changing with Joseph here. I think Joseph is, he's a, you know, he started his coaching career 20 plus years ago in Omaha for one year uh, in the high school level. And and he's just, he's a guy that when he attaches himself to an area and to, to, to high schools and to coaches and the players, I mean, he just really 
builds relationships and and he leaves a mark. Some guys have that talent and some guys don't in recruiting. I think there are coaches that, you know, I was hearing about some a coach or two that we had thrown around a name uh, for, for a position one time that, you know, he stayed in the pros and some of the stuff I've heard is that, you know, hey, he's a pro coach, doesn't want to do the recruiting piece. And I totally get it, right? I mean, that's yeah, totally. there's a unique difference between being a college coach and a pro coach. They're college guys. We see it when Saban moves up to the pros and doesn't do as well, and he comes back down. And there's some guys that they're, they're more suited for one area or the other. But in college, it, man, if recruiting's not at the top of your list of things to do, uh, I mean, I don't care how good you are on the X's and O's side. That, the recruiting's just it's, – it's awfully important. And in, in Nebraska, you know, no different than – honestly, no different than any other state. It's important to recruit locally. And the challenge sometimes when we brought in coaches from all over the place and they don't have any connection here – that's where you, you hear some of those weird things. And we brought it up last week, Rob, the the thing that was on uh, Sharp and Benning, where they were talking about in-state recruiting. And Benning said he talked to a former Nebraska coach from a previous staff, someone that obviously wasn't from the state. And I'm not, this isn't even disparaging to the coach. It's just, it just gives an idea of how little background they have in this state. They were confused. They didn't understand that this one team in class A didn't play this team in class B or C, whatever it was. And yeah. it's just more the fact that, you know, we just we we can't afford to have that. Nebraska, we talked all last week about Nebraska needs to be a lead at things. We need to control, take care of all the things that we can control and be the best at it, right? We're gonna have the best facilities, we're gonna have the best strength and conditioning, we're gonna have the best nutrition, we're gonna have the best in-state recruiting, you know, apparatus together. We are gonna be, we're gonna control all those controllables and be the best thing we can at them, right? And when you hear things like that, you just go, oh, geez, that was that wasn't great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. It's it's that's dinner. I heard that quote. I, I listened to, to that segment from from Damon. And, you know, I mean, it, it's puzzling in the sense of like all states pretty much have some sort of hierarchy of classes where certain schools don't play other schools because of the size differences. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for that coach not to to think that's possible that, you know, high school a isn't gonna play high school b actually more to me sounds like more like they just didn't understand they weren't in the same class right which is another thing that they could have sure. they could have found out right they should have known and that's to your point of the apparatus like the 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 guys working behind the scenes that that coach should have had that informed to him right you know or, or mm-hmm. like had a you know just like there should be a lot more people helping those guys out to learn now you when you're you have Mickey or Bill Bush or all these other guys that are familiar with the class structure here. They already know that, but think about that. All these coaches are going to other, I mean, Mickey's in Georgia right now or whatever. Right. Or, um, you know, mm-hmm. Mark Whipple might be in Arizona that whatever they have to know that they should know the class structures there too, to, to enough degree to understand like, you know, what their competition is and you know, who their rival is and all this type of stuff. So if you don't have a recruiting support structure with a bunch of other people helping these guys know where to go and, and how to sound smart, you're going to have problems. Right. And so mm-hmm. I just illustrates a, a bigger thing um, that's not even unique to, to a, re- a coach trying to recruit Omaha. It's actually that's stuff they should know for every single guy they're going after really. Yeah. And to your point, we have a staff right now. I think one area where I think across the board, we can say we've really upgraded with the coaching staff is that, they have areas of, of expertise from years of experience at this point. Obviously, Joseph and down south in Louisiana and Texas and Applewhite down there in Texas. You mentioned Whipple and he he goes down to 
to uh, Arizona, and, and that's an area of strength for him. Uh, reading here about Donovan Rayola, and he was working up in Wisconsin, Chicago area here in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, he was just with the Bears. He played three, you know, three plus years with uh, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Dawson and the East Coast. I mean, we're starting to kind of we have a, a really good national uh, approach. I think that's being taken place right now. But again, it all falls back on that the emphasis that I'm seeing and reading and hearing more of in the last, you know, two weeks, three weeks that has me excited is that 500 mile radius is the in-state stuff is seeing uh, frost and them going down to Kansas city. Uh, I think it was uh, Mike Schaefer. He wrote, uh, he tweeted something about barring some dramatic change uh, tomorrow. This will be Scott Frost's fifth Nebraska recruiting class without a single high school player from Missouri. Uh, they have one player from Missouri on the roster Vokalik. Uh So anyways, there's a clear focus by Frost and Joseph and Bush and those guys to fix that. And that's, Really, you know, what more can you ask of the guys right now? I'm, I'm looking at our YouTube uh, chat, and uh, someone wants us to name the coach. It needs to be public knowledge. And the fact is, we don't we don't know who the coach was that didn't know the Omaha high schools that didn't play yeah. each other. That was a, a Damon Benning um, story. story from on his radio show, and and Damon didn't reveal who the coach no. was. And he just said I'm it was a previous, to, so. just said it was a previous staff, and and that was that, and. But it, I think it was more to illustrate the point that, you know, that's that's what we were dealing with, you know. And and so, look, you know, what's done is done. I guess what's in the past is in the past here. I'm I'm a forward-looking guy. I guess if that's the optimist in me, if that's the positivity. Yes. We've always I, said that, that about you, Honky. You're always forward-looking. I'm, I'm right. forward-looking, right? You know, I, I don't point the finger, I point the thumb or all that, whatever the heck all that right. stuff is, right? The last show and, had so much Kool-Aid. I, I was just drowning in it, listening to that show. With well, you, you know, know Richard Fitzwell, so. This is like a show of Zig Ziglar quotes going on right now. I feel like I'm in some <laughs> kind of like a sales training or something. And I'm like, geez, I get paid for doing this during the day. I don't need to do this on the red cast. But yeah, keep it well, up. I like honky. backwards to like 1902, Rob. So yeah, don't I mean, next, next thing you know, you need to start using words like synergy or something. And, you know, then we'll really be going. What I like to see is that if you have issues, you at least want to see them getting addressed. That's the biggest. There's no guarantees, right? It, it, if, if I sound like I drink Kool-Aid, then it, I can always come back to none of this matters unless we win games. Right. And so back in October, I didn't want things blown up. And this maybe can get into some of the culture stuff here, Trev, but uh, I didn't want things blown up, but things needed to be changed. And the issues that we had were legitimate issues. They, they weren't small. They were legitimate issues. They need to be fixed. And what I would say is since October, we've addressed the issues from special teams and, and, and position groups and, and in-state recruiting, all those things. We've addressed them. I think we have, the good, I think we have good people in place good talented people in place that care about this program. Um, all that's important. That's great. That's what we need. Um, but it doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, they still got to, you know, make it work, but there's some stuff with, with Trev and culture and things that, I, that I've read and watched over the last couple of weeks, I think that are interesting. And there was a quote here from Casey Thompson um, quote from his dad, Charles, former player at Oklahoma. And he goes, he, he said, I read a quote from Trev Alberts that said, we are family here. They want to find a way for Frost to succeed, and they're allowing him an opportunity to do that because he is part of the Nebraska family. They brought back Mickey Joseph, who's part of the family. It has the feel of we want our people to succeed, and we're going to give them every opportunity to do that before we pull the rug out from under them. I think that's a great quote there from him. 
It's a great statement on support from the AD to the coach. I mean, we can all go back to the, to the Solich and Peterson, uh, you know, uh, relationships there. Nobody would have talked about Peterson as, you know, wanting to give every opportunity for Solich to succeed. You know, everything we know now is that it seemed like we the were, last three know, coaches never had that type of support. There's yeah. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Having that is, is, I think it's a, it's a huge statement there. And for him to see that, and, and Charles Thompson knows a lot of football and he's been around a lot of football for him to see that. Um, I think that's important. I think part of the culture that Alberts is creating. Um, I thought this was really interesting. They're talking about the financial resources and how uh, they can help Nebraska hire coaches and Alberts Alberts cautioned that money can be easy to spend. And there's a danger in coming to feel entitled to it. He said, the second thing is I'm not interested in anybody who joins our organization who is driven primarily by money. If the only thing you're interested in here is to be part a place that has resources, that's not what made Nebraska, Nebraska. Does that make sense? Because this job is a grinder job. This job has always been about people being willing to pay a bigger price than the other guy, players, coaches, administration, everything. That's part of what I love about it, but it's also part of what can be the challenge. I love everything I just read there. I love everything I hear from that. Um, again, doesn't guarantee us anything, right? But at least I, I think that's the, the culture that Trev is trying to create. And you create that one day at a time, one hire at a time, and and uh, you you get enough people in here that that are thinking and and moving the same direction, and and that's a pretty good sign. So Trev wants to throw a few bucks our way. We're not above that. Albert. We would if never you're listening. <laughs> if you're on the YouTube feed tonight, that's, that's right. Great. That's so, yeah. right. I mean, we we we've, we've been doing this podcast out of love for a long time. <laughs> Maybe a few dollars would make it even that much sweeter. Talk about grinding, Dave. This podcast is all <laughs> that's about right. that. Uh, well, I think one of the, the interesting ones, too, was on uh, early break uh, with uh, Sip and Jake, 93.7. Yep. They had uh, they had John Cook on and they were talking to Cook. Yeah, and that he, was an he, amazing interview. Oh, my gosh. And, he you know, he brings up he wasn't shy about talking about, you know, he went for the athletic director job. He would have you know taken it if he had to. But he talked about if Trev hadn't taken the AD job, I would have in a heartbeat because. I just felt like with Nebraska athletics, we were on the edge of a cliff. We had to do something. Uh, and so he's so thankful that, that Trev took the job. And I guess, you know, I didn't, I'll be the first one to say it. I didn't realize I, you hear people and you hear things you know, and see things on Twitter, but I never had that sense that we were on the edge of a cliff. You know, I, I, I was a defender of Moose for a lot of things and, and I'll still say, you know, he went and he hired good people and stuff. But I mean, man, there are some things uh, since then that uh, I'm glad we have Trev. I'll just say it that way. I'm just I'm glad we have Trev in place now. Yeah, no, that was a really interesting uh, interview. And then ultimately, I think Sip had, had a uh, an editorial um, about that. And just it's just to, to understand, like, maybe what all that was going on. I mean, how that impacted the performance of the coaching staff, potentially I, I could see where, where you don't feel like you have the support across the board and the resources that you need um, to allow you to, to focus on, on the task at hand could, could, you know, have been a problem the last few years. It's just hard to understand how that could happen over a sustained amount of time to the point where your, your hall of fame, you know, the coach K of volleyball essentially is saying that the athletic department's, nearing uh, nearing a cliff i mean that that is that that the fact that nebraska athletics could have been in that bad a shape um is a little bit mind-blowing almost almost hard to fathom that it could be allowed to go that far you know boomer it just like one of those things where like if you think about nebraska athletics 
at the prime in the 90s, it, it was so well run and that there's been so many mistakes over 20 years that here we are, right? We have essentially one of the worst football and, and basketball, men's basketball programs that you could imagine. Yeah, I, maybe part of Moose's job was to finish that spreadsheet of where, you know, each school was in classes, you know, for high school here, and it just <laughs> didn't get to nice. anybody, so that could be part of the problem. But a lot of this goes back to just what, what Honky was talking about, like Alberts was saying. This is not, you know, Nebraska doesn't have a ton of just natural advantages that other programs right. have. You know, you're Alabama, you're rich in talent and history, you're Florida, every school in Florida can swing a dead cat and have plenty of talent available there's you know you're in texas you've got rich boosters shooting guns in the air just waiting to throw money at whoever comes by i mean there's tons of advantages that other programs and have that we don't so this is a place where you have to grind and you really have to put effort into this yeah we have resources we have dedicated fans but we're never going to have the numbers other schools have so it's going to take that something extra to do that and We've seen it, like you said, Dave, for the last 20 years. We get some athletic directors that are capable of doing some things right. Um, you know, Honky said Moose, you know, he made the hires. People wanted to hire. I don't – nobody faults him for that. Everyone wanted him to hire Frost and Hoiberg. You know, fine hires. You know, they might not work out, but it, it is will what it both. is. Yeah. Uh, but there's other things that clearly were a huge problem that we weren't able to see as just a casual fan, you know, behind the scenes. So – yeah, there's a lot to being an athletic director at a program like Nebraska. It's not for not for the timid soul. It's not for the person who doesn't want to work every day and put in lots of work, which probably isn't a lot of fun work. Kind of like Honky talked about recruiting, probably isn't the funnest thing coaches want to do. Coaches that's want to grunge, do X's and O's. They don't want to go out and spend every day with high schoolers, but that's what you have to do. And being an AD at Nebraska, there's a lot of things you're going to have to do. So. Well, and what I would say is the coaches that tend to be the best recruiters are the ones that say they love it. I mean, it is a grind. It's not that it's easy, but they, they don't look at it in a negative way. And I think anyone that's successful in any job that they have, you know, you, you know, if you love your job or not, and, and if you're excited and you're, you're look, everything still work, but if you're excited to get in there, you're excited about what you're doing, you're probably going to do better than if you're, you're sitting there fighting it, fighting the, the requirements of the job. And so, and no coaches are no different than anybody else in any other profession. I mean, there's some coaches that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show up, I'll do another, you know, recruiting visit, but I don't want to, I'm not saying we've had that, or I'm not pointing that at any one guy. I'm just saying if, if somebody has that mentality going on, if they're an AD and they have that mentality on going on, it's going to show up at some point. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with uh, Joseph the other day, Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. He's like, he's the number one name that, that, like I said, every player out there Everyone. seems to be dropping every time he, there's a recruit, but the, during the interview, they, they said to him, they, they asked him, you know, so where are you today? Kind of joking, right? Like, you know, where, what are you doing now? And he says, well, I don't like to sit still. This is what I love to do. This is what I'm doing. Like my family knows this, my wife, my kids, everybody knows it. And they said, well, where are he's Oh, I'm in Atlanta. Right. So he's out there recruiting mm -hmm. and I'm guessing, you know, that, that this kid that could be announcing that he's coming like that's where he was right like he was in Atlanta recruiting and then from there he was going to be going somewhere else to be recruiting right after that and I think that that just makes that point even more is that he loves to do this this is what he loves to do right he knows that they're getting close to the point where they're gonna to have to be at practice so he's just out every day recruiting 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 
Um, you know, I, I guarantee you he's spent more time on the road since he's been in Lincoln, quote unquote, than, than he has actually spent in Lincoln is my guess at this point. Cause it seems like every time we turn around, some kids talking about how Joseph was in his living room or that he was a big reason why they're coming to the school. So, yep, I mean, that's right. I mean, yeah. probably, uh, didn't have to travel as far when he was down at Louisiana for LSU. All right. So yeah, he still has a house down there. I imagine though. So that probably helps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you know the way they're talking about him I'm pretty sure he's just welcome to like sleep over at people's houses when he goes there to recruit him like you know they're probably making him nice dinners and thanking him for coming there you know sure 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 well hockey I mean I think the, the point of, of this conversation is that I mean that Trev Alberts is is really trying to establish a, a, a culture that can can change that momentum, not just in the Nebraska football program, but the entire athletic department. And, you know, I do think it may, may take a few years to really pay off. Um, and so it's where it's really interesting where, you know, the expectations for this football program in this season and what do they have to get done to, to get year two, essentially, it feels like a complete reboot, but it's not. But, I mean, what do they need to do to, to get one more year? We're going to find that out. But that's really where I feel like this is still a, almost a long build almost. It's really interesting. They're going 12-0, Dave. Well, I, I think <laughs> there's the one part six. of when you when you hear from Charles Thompson there where, you know, he's talking about it's the, the, the feel of a family and how, you know, they're going to give them every opportunity to do that before they pull the rug out from under them. And yet you get this narrative from people of, well, what's it going to take for him not to get fired? Like this staff is yeah, going to be gone after next it's year. It's the opposite, well, isn't it? I don't, I don't see, I don't look at this next season as Trev is trying to find ways to get rid of all these guys. You know, I no, think he's he not, not when them- you give him this much more, right? You, I mean, honestly, I think if he gets the six wins, he's going to be safe. That's my opinion. Sure. Um, I, what's important to me uh, personally is we are competitive and we were competitive last year in, in virtually every game. It would be a real bummer. <laughs> I don't have a better word at this point than that. It'd be a real bummer to see us, you know, go eight and four, but two of the losses are by 60 points, you know, something, you know, just ridiculous like that. I, I want to, it's not just about record to me. So it you're is talking important. no Polini era type of yeah, stuff. I mean, on, you yeah. just right now we're that we are that close. And the issues that we have, again, I don't ever want to like downplay the issues. Special teams as an example here. Boomer, we've talked about this forever. You know, special teams, it's not a small issue to say, well, we just got to get better at special teams. That was, it's a legit thing. We've got to get better at it. But I would also say that from an addressing it standpoint, they, what do you want? They brought in a new uh, coordinator for it. They brought in new kickers. They brought in new punters. They brought in new, you know, uh, snappers. I mean, everything you can do. I brought in a returner from LSU who's returned kickoffs and punt returns for touchdowns. Right. So, I mean, you're doing everything you can. There's no guarantees at anything, but uh, I have no issue that they're trying to address the problems. And that's always been my thing. If there's a problem out there, let's get it fixed. That's instead of, you know, nobody can sit there and say, well, geez, you know, we're going to go four and eight next year because it's just the same old thing over and over again. You know, uh, What's the definition of uh, insanity? Doing the same thing and expecting, you know, the different results. Well, we're not doing the same thing. They are, you know, Frost has tried different things. He is trying different things now. Um, I agree with the vast majority of the moves that they've made over the last, uh, you know, three, four months now. I mean, this is, 
I, I'm about as I said it last week, I'm about as tickled pink as I could possibly be compared to where I was in late October, where I really, I was, I was down. I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know if we were going to be rebooting everything. I didn't want to see that, but uh, you know, the, the record was getting worse, but we, you know, but we're right in, right in every game. You know, there was never, so, there was never a point where we were getting blown out. And so what we would you right rather there. have, Honky? Would you rather have an eight and four season where we had two blowout losses, you know, 70 to 10, like we did, uh, you know, years ago or whatever, or another three and nine, four and eight season where all those losses are single digit. Hey, I want to see 10 and two and I want right. to see two really close losses. That's what I want to see boomer. I'm not going to answer that. Okay. Because, <laughs> because I'm just, I'm just not, not going to answer that question. Good. Yeah, he just won't answer that question. Yeah, okay. I just, I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't care to 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 give it any any thought. I don't care to partake in your shenanigans. What I think is that if you're playing teams close and you're competitive, you shouldn't be going three and nine, four and eight. And it's one of the reasons why last year's season was so historically strange: nine single digit losses, eight uh, one score losses. Uh, we scored 239 points and we gave up 239 points in the Big Ten and we went one and eight. That's stupid. Right. I mean, these are just historically crazy numbers. We are one of four teams in the in the poll history since the 30s that didn't win more than 25% of our games, but had a, a, a positive point differential. In fact, we had the, the largest point differential of all four of those teams. At, a, uh, we, a large like, margin. Yeah, like 18 plus, Northwestern. Yeah, plus five. Well, but who cares about Northwestern? It's just it, the point is, is that it's historic in how close we would play teams. And then when we would beat somebody Buffalo or even Fordham, but Northwestern that we could put up points and we could be explosive at times. We should have won more games last year. And the reason we didn't is because we had legitimate issues, special teams being one of them. Um, The amount of points that were scored against us that were not scored against our defense, non-traditional ways. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And it's historic and it's historic enough that it better not happen again. I guess, Boomer, to your point, I, I it's, it's a once in a freaking lifetime kind of season. And I can't picture it happening two years in a row. I, yeah. I just no, can't. I, I, well, hopefully I, I, not I, two years in a row. I mean, yeah. The weird thing is if you look at like Riley's first year, we had what six, one score losses. It just something weird about Nebraska. It just seems to happen to our coaching staff. So I don't know what that is, but hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I was listening to the, uh, the cover cover three podcast from CBS and they had a fun off season um, show where they actually did a, a draft of the um, what there would be. They're predicting their end of season top 25. So they're not trying to do a preseason top 25. They're saying like, who ultimately ends up in the top 25 and they you know, have four guys and you'd have to go, you know, snaking draft and you get to pick, pick um, teams that, you know, most likely would finish in the top 25. And um, once they got down to, you know, probably, I think they're going to, they're going to choose like 32 or 40 teams, you know, and uh, that, that could, you know, be in a t- uh, end of season top 25. And by the time we got to about, 28 to 30 or so pick pick 20 to 30 i think danny cannell took nebraska and they had a conversation about it and they're like and the other guys were like that's not crazy because they they shouldn't have been three and nine last year and they you know should have been better and you know if that team somehow gets to eight and four i i could see them you know cracking the top 25 at the end of the year and mm-hmm. i mean it's that's that's i think there's a national understanding that last year's results just don't make a lot of sense so um, 
uh, you know, kind of boomer, maybe we transition a little bit here. We are getting a few questions in on the YouTube uh, chat. And uh, so maybe boomer can ask a few of those and, and we can kind of uh, maybe see what we can answer. Yeah, we're getting, getting some good responses here. Uh, first off, uh, coworker Eric says, uh, just what we're talking about sounds like a jumbo steam curse. And I would completely agree 100%. Ever since we let him go to Indiana, we've never won a Big Ten championship. So, I mean, that's that's theory, that's science. There's no other way to put it. So, yes. until we build that statue and, and write that wrong and, and put those pre-1920s titles up in the stadium somewhere, we're never going to win. So, if you're listening, again, Trev, you know, if you're listening, just please put that into put that into practice here but we've had uh, several questions uh jim cobbs asked several uh, these are more kind of team position specific uh first off one and we kind of touched on with the running backs uh, do you think frost will get that bell cow running back <coughs> do you want to carry the load or are we going to have that back by committee approach we've seen for the last three years we'll start with that one well you know i think they always want to get a bell cow every year i mean you Anytime you can get a guy that's going to run for 1500 yards or, you know, whatever you're going to take that. And you want that. Um, what I would like to see is some consistency from first to second to third string though, because um, I'd love to see a first string guy get, you know, the 1200 yards, right. Get average hundred yards of uh, carry or game for the first, you know, during the regular season, have a backup that has 600 yards, have a third string guy that has 400 yards. That's what I would like to see out of the running back position. Um, the last few years, you might get a, a running back. The top guy might get six, 700 yards, something like that. And then the quarterback is right up there with him too, which, you know, again, Dave, that goes back to how we were talking about, you know, the running game, the quarterback's been so involved. I want to see more running backs involved in this, in this scheme. Um, Whipple has a history of there's I formations, there's two backs. So it's possible to get more than one back on the field. And when you're going to have six on the roster, if you're only playing one back at any given time, you know, you always hear about with receivers. Oh, how do you, how do you distribute the ball to all the receivers? Well, how do you give the ball to all the running backs? If you're, if you have six and you're only playing one at a time. So getting more guys out there on the field there in general, I think you're going to see some, some more of that here. We're going to throw the ball plenty. I mean, that's, that's not going away either, but I think um, one of the ways to get some more, more carries into the hands of the running backs is to probably have less carries from the quarterback. And I love a mobile quarterback but the quarterback doesn't need to run it, you know, 15 or 20 times necessarily a game either. And so that's, uh, you know, and this is, we had the same conversation 12 months ago. So this isn't, this isn't anything new from that. Okay. Good response. Uh, next question also from uh, Jim Cobb. Uh, what do you want to see from Fisher and the defensive backs in the spring to feel good that that group uh, about that group heading into fall camp? Mm, well, I think well, first, first off is Jim Cobb. Is that your real name? <laughs> Only on a, a Nebraska football podcast you'd be asked that question. But uh, <laughs> go ahead, Hawk. I'm sorry. Well, I, I mean, anyone can answer this, but I, I would think right away there's some guys that you know have been in the program for a while now. Newsom and um, oh my Clark. god, uh, yeah, yeah, Clark. Braxton Clark and and then Farmer. You know, yeah, I want to see those guys step up. You know, that that's one thing when you bring in brand new players, I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're transfer portal guys or true freshmen. If you have guys that have been in your system for two, three, four years, and they're just getting jumped immediately by some, some incoming person, I usually think that's an issue. And I'd love to see Newsom really, you know, take momentum from what he did last year. I think that guy can be an all conference player farmer when he's been out there has been, you know, there's been games where he's had multiple interceptions in games and he's just, he's a playmaker. 
you want to see that to be continued to be built on. Um, you know, we're not a, I remember when Tyreek Johnson last summer, and I said it last summer when we got him, it was like, Hey, great. We have a five-star transfer from Ohio state. I, I don't know if he'll play it down for us. And he, yeah, he might be I a know. starter. He might, I don't care about the five stars. I really don't because none of that matters here. So I want the guys that have already proven themselves to continue to prove themselves to, to, to be the, the leaders in the spring. And then, you know, they brought in four five, six new DBs at various, various levels of experience, FCS guys that have been, all Americans yeah. and, you know, junior college guys and transfers from Arizona state and true freshmen that are coming in. And I just want to see how those guys come in there and compete. And, you know, we want to get about a two deep, just like we would with any position group. Yeah. I'm, I'm more concerned about the D line than the secondary at this point, but I mean, you hope competition plays itself out there in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I mean, uh, last question, uh, also from a Jim Cobb, if that is his real name. Um, <laughs> He says, uh, you hate to lose leaders like Martinez, Jurgens, and Daniels, but is there a benefit to get an influx of 18 newcomers this spring who weren't here last year and didn't go through those close losses? I mean, that's, that's a tough one because, you know, that I'm going to say there that when you get 18 new players like this, that are going to be coming in. It's their mentality is going to be completely different. Right. So I, the, the, one score losses aren't going to affect them from a mental standpoint, right? Because they weren't there. They weren't a part of that. So, I mean, it's comparing to me, it's like comparing apples to oranges because what there's a whole new coaching staff. You got 18 new guys on the field. You got, you know, a bunch of guys that weren't there last year for the losses. So, I mean, really, I think it's just going to come down to, how this new staff prepares these new players for this new offense and this, you know, and, and this defenses are coming in. So it, it, that's a, that's a tough one to answer. So do I think it's going to make it better? Yeah, I do think it's going to make it better because I also feel like some of these coaches, I'm not saying the other guys weren't qualified, but I think these guys are, they feel like they're a little more qualified, right. To be coming in here and setting us up for these wins at this point. I don't know if any of you guys disagree with that assessment. I just don't know how to compare the two together. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I guess I look at it almost to like Honky's point of how he felt in October compared to how he feels now, just in the sense of like, I, I mean, as a fan, if you feel better because we have four new coaches on the offensive side and, and a different quarterback, even though you think Adrian Martinez is the world of that guy, you're like, we just had to have a change. We needed something to change. We could have just run it back again for year five. Um, you, you, I would probably say that some of the players probably feel the same way. Like, you know, we were really close last year. Hey, I, I've seen, uh, you know, Casey Thompson play. I think he can help us win. Uh, let's rally around him and some of uh, this, uh, these new coaches and see where this goes, right? I mean, I, I think it's better than just running it back and trying to do what you did last year. That's for certain. Well, yeah. I also think that I hope that there's more players. Like, I want Jim to ask us the same question this time next year. And I want there to be a list of, like, eight guys that are basically moving on, but moving on to, like, the pros because they played so well. And then we can talk about, like, the new guys that are coming in and the same coaching staff to see how they can replace them. That would That's when I would rather be asked this type of question. Um, you know, same coaching staff, but just the pipeline filling in guys, guys from depth, like filling in spots because these other guys were so good. They got to move to the next level, not because, you know, Adrian transferred, but he also was, you know, what a fifth year senior or whatever. So, I mean, 
that's that's kind of my perspective on it. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of the transfer portal in general, how it's changed things, is that you know, if you're leaving a school for any any reason, there's usually something behind it, right? I mean, there's you know, things aren't going perfect where you're at, or you would just stay. So the people that left left for a reason. The people that are coming here, you know, come here for some reason too, whatever whatever it is. I know that you know, watching the video of of Shenander and the coaching staff talking with the team this week, you know, they've been going through all the winter conditioning and Shenander just flat out said, you know, he goes, um, you know, what we do right now is, you know, this is how we are going to undo all those one score losses. It's right now. It's the, it's the winter, it's the conditioning, it's, it's all the off season stuff. That's where you're going to win it. And he's telling that to 13, 14, 15 guys that are on the team right now that had nothing to do with those one score losses. Right. But they're part of this team now. And they're all going to be part of the fix. And I think that's it's something, too, that comes with the portal and the way that it, it works now is that, and we've said this in, in previous weeks, boy, you better be on the team right now. I, I, I truly believe it, that th- it's so crucial to be here in spring. Dave, you even talked about with the D-line, you know, um, we may, after the spring gets done, we may have to go into the portal and, and get another guy or two for some depth. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather see that depth come from the, those three freshmen I talked about earlier that are going to be going through all this stuff through the next couple of weeks and, and, and next couple of months during the conditioning and then going through spring ball. I want to see that depth kind of come out of there because at some point you can't just, you know, rely on guys that, that get here in, in June and expect them to be you know, major contributors. We saw that Tyreek Johnson, that didn't happen a year ago. And and Johnson could be a starter for us next year. I have no idea, right? But I just know that last year, a guy coming here in June or July, that's not the recipe for, hey, that guy's going to be your starter right away. And we've, we've seen that with, with Mills in the past, Omar Manning when he got here. And I, I love Omar Manning. And Rob, you love Omar Manning. And it took him a year, even as a JUCO, top JUCO recruit in the country, to acclimate and then finally last year with his second year here we started to see it and man now i can't wait to see him next year i can't wait to see him in year three in this system yep that's right we call him booby in this house for the record <laughs> uh there we go all right guys anything else we want to tackle before we uh, get some parting shots in now nah, thanks everyone that that was watching uh, throughout tonight i mean this is kind of our first go at this and uh, you know, I'm sure we, I'm sure we made mistakes, but we're going to get better. We're going to keep improving. And, uh, right. you know, this is something I think that we can see some more of. Uh, we, we, uh, I know Rob and I, we've got some interviews planned down the, the stretch and actually it'd be great to have you guys on it. Now that we're doing everything through zoom, it's kind of easier to do some of that stuff than we, the way we used to. And so, um, you know, we can get some interviews going with this, do some more live streaming. We'd love to have some of that interaction, get the questions in here. So, uh, Redcasters, this is just a, you know, this is phase 2.0 or 3.0 of the Redcast is, is the way I like to think of it. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's, uh, let's get with these parting shots. And I'm going to start with Boomer. Okay. Well, first off, uh, DLS with a late comment. Dang, I'm late to the show. Well, don't worry, DLS. You'll be able to go back and watch this whenever you feel like it on YouTube or listen to it on the, you know, with uh, the Herd at podcast. So, You'll be able to take the show whenever. So you're never really late to any Redcast. So enjoy that. <laughs> and then um, I just would like to, to mention to any of the uh, NCAA, you know, commissioners or, you know, conference executives that are listening that kind of watching the NFL playoffs these, these last couple of weekends and 
seeing how exciting those games were. And strangely enough, they all seem to be played at home stadiums for certain teams. And some of them were in the north, I noticed, above like Tennessee. And it, yeah, it's crazy yeah. how that can happen. You didn't have to winterize stadiums. And just the way the crowds were at some of these games, how exciting that was, rather than some bland and neutral site for your for your playoff games. You might think about doing something like that for college. I don't know. Maybe the NFL might be onto something, Boomer. Yeah, I don't they, know. They, the I NFL mean, might have something here. It's strange how they, they don't have neutral sites for this stuff. I mean, the, they the have foot- a horrible overtime, but they've got the, <laughs> the sites figured out. So. so football can be played north of the Mason-Dixon line. Apparently. That's where you're yeah, getting at. Okay. crazy. Yeah, I didn't know it could, but yeah. That's crazy, yeah. It's, it's, it's happening, folks. It's a novel uh, idea. All right, well, um, the next uh, Josh McDaniels super fan, Redcast Rob. <laughs> Sorry, I was getting a little introspective there when Hunky said mistakes were made. We'll do better next time. You know, oh, he was another, talking about you, Rob. Give us another. Well, well, no doubt about well, it. That was totally directed to well, you. Well, I actually I was I was taking a little bit personal in my head because that's exactly what I said to my current wife after she was a little hesitant to marry me after I got divorced <laughs> with my first wife. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, and you're right. I am. I'm pretty excited about the the Josh McDaniels hire, mostly because it seems to have upset Broncos fans more than anything. So, you know, I I, I don't really get it. Everyone's talking about something that happened 13 years ago. Again, hey, Rob, I think one of your older sons is as old as Josh was when he had the Broncos gig for God's sakes. Well, <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he's he was 20. Really so yeah, he's 20. I think Josh McDaniels was what like 28, 29. I don't know. But yeah, thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. We really enjoyed uh, seeing you guys, your comments on the stream itself. Uh, looking forward to doing this every week, I guess. You know, um, I might, I don't know, I think I might have to shave a little better next time. Yeah, then we, we could see your face then. So just yeah, keep the hair. Don't do that, Rob. Fair yeah. point. Fair <laughs> point. All right, Hunk, get us out of here. All right. Well, uh, baseball uh, checked in at number 20 in Baseball Americans, uh, America's preseason poll. Uh, the first day of practice was January 18th, so they've been practicing for a couple weeks now. And uh, they're uh, getting set to be outside, uh, get get rolling for the February 18th opener. So we're already in February now. Oh my gosh, it's just over two weeks from now. Uh, on the volleyball front, uh, the rich get richer. Three-time All-American middle blocker, Caitlin Horde is transferring to NU from Penn State. She has one season left to play. I mean, this is a uh, you know a multi-year All-American coming here. This is a huge recruit, and it's just – it's John Cook, we are the Alabama football of volleyball right now. It's unbelievable what, what he has set up here, and uh, so that's pretty great. Uh, I want to give congrats to Austin Allen and Cam Jurgens. They are set to join JoJo Doman and Cam Taylor-Britt at this year's uh, scouting combine for the NFL. Uh, and there's still potentially could be, you know, a few more too that could be brought to the, to the mix. I am watching videos to, you know, all week at Samari Torrey's making a number of catches. Uh, Ben Stilley was getting in the backfield at, at these all American practices. So, uh, this is the strongest group of players leaving the program for the pros that we've had, uh, in a number of years. And hopefully that's going to be reflected in the draft. And then last but not least, uh, Zach Taylor, got to give congrats to the guy here uh, and, you know, taking the Bengals to the Super Bowl here. And uh, you have an entire state of people right now, basically rooting for, for uh, the Bengals and, and Taylor. But uh, I have a story about him going back to spring practice. And, and I've been going to those coaches clinics dating back to the last year, Solich all the way until when COVID stopped them. Hopefully there's a, 
coaches clinic again, starting up this year. I hope they can do that. But um, it was an Oh four or five right after uh, the, the first season of, of uh, Callahan and Joe Daly is still on the team. Joe Daly's the returning starting quarterback. He's the returning captain. And we were at the coaches clinic. And when they get done, this is probably to me, the highlight of the Callahan era was a two hour long practice, full pads, no green jerseys. I mean, they just let them go. It was a two hour full pad football game. And Joe Daly's the starting quarterback and he starts the practice as the starting quarterback. And I would watch him in pregame or pre-practice, you know, just doing drills. And he looked like an all-American quarterback in all the drills. I thought Daly looked awesome. But once you got him in front of the, the live bullets and the defense, like even Smith and, you know, Carriker and Jay Moore and all those guys, Titus Adams are coming after him, Stuart Bradley. And all of a sudden mistakes start getting made. Interceptions are thrown. He's getting hit. Right. Well, then they throw in this guy, the Zach Taylor, who is just, he's kind of an afterthought recruit because Harrison Beck's going to come in and fix everything for us next year anyways. But this Zach Taylor guy, yeah, he's here, he's here in spring and he gets out there and nothing flashy. He just runs the offense and then he gets nailed. I'm talking hit in the backfield by either more character. One of the DNs just take him down the ground, but he gets up and in real time with refs on the field running the clock, he gets into a huddle. He calls the play and he throws a three yard out completion the next play and keeps moving the chains. And by the end of this two hour practice, he has the entire team in the, in the palm of his hands. They are following him. And on the far end of the field, it was actually kind of sad. It was Joe Daly was on the far end, kind of taking a knee by himself. And you just saw this transition of like, oh, my gosh, this Taylor guy just won the, the, the spot. And he did. And he had a, a stranglehold over it for the next two years. He, he finished his second season, his last season here as uh, the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he – you know, very humble. He likes to tell people that uh, he wouldn't have had that if Adrian Peterson didn't get hurt at Oklahoma. But uh, still, uh, that's the last offensive player of the in the conference that we've had, player of the year. Uh, and uh, so Taylor, just a great guy, great representative of, of the game of football, great representative of Nebraska. And uh, I can't wait to root for him in the, in the Super Bowl and go Bengals. Yeah, well said, Honk. Absolutely. I and mean, that's a great story. You've um, said that a few times on the show, but it's one of my favorites. And uh, you're right. I mean, I'm definitely rooting for Cincinnati and, and Joe Burrow. It should be um, a fun Super Bowl. It's been anything like these playoffs. It's going to be a, a wild one. One last one last thing, too, is that uh, I forgot to mention, and Honky brought up baseball. Um, you know, it's well known already. I'm, I'm going to be out there for the spring game on April 9th, and uh, they'll the baseball team will also be playing Rutgers that day. So honky and I are looking at setting up some kind of like a tailgate situation, maybe barbecuing just before the spring game, maybe after the spring game, before the baseball game, something like that. So, you know, any of you listeners, if you guys think that's a good idea, give us a shout out on social media, let us know, be there. We could just set up a go big red cast tailgate and, you know, it'd be great to meet some of you guys and, and also hang out and, you know, have a little bit of fun while I'm out there in Lincoln. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, uh, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. GBR. A Huda Media Production.